and welcome to another Aegis uh, Accounting podcast. Uh, this time we're talking about COVID-19 and statutory sick pay. Uh, we're talking about unknown unknowns, that fantastic Donald Rumsfeld uh, quote, um, and how they affect your business, and, uh, and a little strategic uh, tool to use when you're facing a problem called Five Whys and combining it with something else called Ishikawa analysis or fishbone analysis to help find the causes uh, potential causes of uh, issues or problems that you're facing to help you solve them. Um, so I hope you find something today of interest, um, starting with COVID-19 and statutory sick pay. So recently the government has announced that uh, statutory sick pay will become payable from day one of, I assume, illness, but I think they might mean self-isolation because of a suspected illness. It's really not clear. It, uh, it came out during Prime Minister's, uh, Prime Minister's question time. Um, it basically means SSP will become payable from day one. It's usually payable from day four, so that's three extra days of sick pay. The aim is to support people who are doing the right thing by self-isolating because they either believe themselves to be or are infected with COVID-19, which will be something that probably happens to the UK more over the coming weeks as it seems like the uh, infection rate is, is going up. Um, no scare stories from here. Just watch the news, go to proper sources to see uh, what the current spread of the virus looks like. Um, no, no medical advice from me. Follow all the professional advice that you should, all of the NHS advice and government advice that you should. But to do with statutory sick pay in particular and how that's going to be affected, um, it seems to have been reported as the government is going to pay statutory sick pay from day one. But no, that means the government is going to legislate that employers will have to pay statutory sick pay from day one. Um, that's uh, £180 a week. It's £40 difference. Um, it's not necessarily a massive thing, but it's uh, maybe easier if you're employed to know that you will be uh, able to claim that from the very first day. Details are very light at the moment, but hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. Um, since 2014, there's no offset uh, for statutory sick pay if you're an employer. It's just a cost. You don't get to claim that back from the government. It used to be that you could offset it against your national insurance contributions. Now you can't. you just got to pay it. It's the law. So... That's going to happen if you're a small employer and you employ anyone at risk, you're going to need to factor that in. You may become liable to pay statutory sick pay to anyone who um, qualifies under whatever. <laughs> it could be a blanket thing during COVID. If that is true, then even someone with the flu who self-isolates uh, will need SSP from day one. So maybe uh, factor in the potential for some more overheads for SSP into your processes. But if you are not an employer of others, and you're thinking of yourself as either a self-employed individual, maybe someone with zero hours contracts, it's not clear what kind of help there's going to be for you if you don't already qualify for SSP. You have to be um, earning over, uh, uh, if I said £118 a week earlier, I confused my numbers, that's £118 a week you have to be earning in order to qualify for SSP. Um, it's £40 will be the equivalent. It's £96 a week, 40 quid equivalent for three uh, days is what you would be entitled to under statutory sick pay. £118 a week is what you have to be earning in order to qualify to receive statutory sick pay, uh, which means there are a whole load of workers that actually don't. Maybe you're on a zero hours contract or you're self-employed or perhaps you have a limited company and pay yourself in a certain way, which means that you don't qualify for that under what you call salary. Would you pay yourself statutory sick pay as a limited company anyway? But the... Um, 
The question that was uh, raised at Prime Minister's Question Time, uh, Jeremy Corbyn asked Mr Johnson if the sick pay announcement would help those currently not eligible for statutory sick pay, I'm reading here from the BBC report on this, such as those on zero hours contracts or self-employed people. The Prime Minister said a great many people would be entitled to SSP. That sounds like politicians speak for, I don't want to talk about that. Um, Adding, others will be entitled to help through existing systems such as universal credit and we are urgently looking at the application process to reflect on the advice on self-isolation. So basically, no news if you're on a zero contract or self-employed. This is that, you know, Talk about SSP, it just doesn't really apply to you. Let's see if anything comes that would uh, help you to deal with what might affect you uh, financially if you have to self-isolate due to COVID or fears of COVID-19. Um, so I don't want to dwell too much on it because I'm not an expert on COVID-19 and I'm sure there are some excellent people uh, out there reporting on the proper details of what you should be doing to deal with that. Uh, but one of the things uh, that I did want to talk about, which is related, uh, the next topic, unknown unknowns. I think I made a passing reference to this um, in a previous video when I was talking about risk management. I was saying there are different categories of risk that you have to monitor uh, when you're a small business. There are the categories of risk, uh, I think we talked about personal analysis to look at political, economical, sociological, legal and so on, uh, all those categories. But also I think I said a little bit about some of those are uh, things you know that may happen, maybe issues you anticipate, uh, maybe risks you anticipate, maybe they've happened before, they could happen to you. Um, some of them will be categories of things where you know there could be a novel occurrence within them and you might plan for it uh, not knowing what that risk may be. Uh, the category of known unknowns. This is a, a reference, this unknown unknowns, to a, a speech by Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, I think it's in the lead up to the Iraq war uh, and it confused everybody in the, in the uh, press bit who were uh, hearing it and it, I think it became something of an internet meme. Um, but the concept of unknown unknowns is a really important one. There's stuff that comes right out of left field that you can't predict and you're just going to have to deal with. For example, if you happen to manufacture a beer called Corona, then the fact that the recent virus is of the family coronavirus and happened to be frequently called coronavirus um, seems to have meant that people don't choose your beer from the fridges when they go into their off-license or don't choose your beer when they go into the pubs and they're choosing something else. Uh, and that has uh, resulted in, I believe it's £132 million lost revenue for, for the manufacturers of Corona beer. Uh, that's a huge thing to deal with and there's no way. Uh, that, that could not have been on their list of things to monitor. Oh, well, we should watch out for if a family of coronavirus uh, that's particularly virulent and harmful breaks out. Um, this is a right out of left field thing. And I think that the important lesson to learn from what they are facing is that you can't anticipate everything. There are unknown unknowns, as Rumsfeld um, yeah, said. So you do need to have at least some idea of how you're going to react to stuff. Um, but it's almost crisis management. In fact, in fact, that's definitely crisis management. In particular, it needed something like an offensive PR reaction quite quickly. It would have been excellent if coronavirus had... Uh, coronavirus. I'm even confusing the two. It would have been excellent if Corona Beer and their marketing team had quickly come out 
with something that was supporting, not making light of it, but uh, identifying that they are not coronavirus, they're corona beer. Some people are stupid, okay? Like, <laughs> just they are, and some people are stupid and drink beer, and they might be your customers, and you might really need to say the obvious. Corona beer has nothing to do with coronavirus. Um, but also people are suspicious and likely not to believe you. No, instead you have to come out with something I think incredibly positive. I think they missed a trick. Um, they can either wave goodbye to 130 million pounds of revenue or they can wave goodbye to a chunk of their profit and said that they were coming out potentially with some fund. Corona beer supports the fight of coronavirus. Some marketing campaign along that where they devoted their profits to those people are working at the forefront to, to combat a very serious virus outbreak across the world, that would have turned something that could have been a negative effect straight into a massive positive for the brand. I think you've missed a trick. I think even if they do that now, it's a little bit too late. Um, but you know, where are Corona beer based? I, I know that this is like, a, a, I think, a Mexican beer, but it's an international company. They have presence all over the place. They would have known that this is becoming world news before um, it became something that literally is world news. I mean, this to report that much lost revenue uh, so quickly must mean that the effect was happening. Um, while perhaps the news was too quiet, maybe a little bit under the radar for a beer marketing department to have worried about in particular. But nonetheless, uh, what can they learn from it? Or maybe they need to be uh, on their marketing front foot when they need to be, in particular on their PR front foot. This sounds like more of a, of a PR thing to me getting positive messages out there um, that support their brand. Um, if it would have been Corona against coronavirus, if that would have been what they've pushed quickly, I think we would have seen a very different picture. Yes, they would have still lost revenue because they're choosing to develop, well, not revenue, they would have still lost profits because they would have been choosing to donate those profits towards a worthy cause. But I think their brand value would have come out incredibly strong. As it is, I'm seeing memes of pictures of refrigerators with Corona at one end of the beer, uh, or one end of the fridge shelf, and other items at the other wearing a face mask, which is funny, to be honest. But it's, uh, it's something where there was an opportunity to get out with an offensive message, uh, that, uh, not offensive as in offending people, I mean like as in on, as the Americans say, on the offense, something like coming to meet the problem head on uh, by doing something positive. And I think that would have been a great thing to do. I think they've missed a trick. Hopefully they'll still come through on something like that. I think it'd be great to see. This kind of thing can happen to you in your business. Things that you don't ex expect, things that you don't anticipate can hit and there's no place on your risk monitoring plan for you to have identified that as, an, as a potential outside threat to your business. But there it is, it's there. And the key, key thing is to act quickly. Decide and act quickly. I imagine that a handful of people, the right people in a room, thinking over a problem, could really get a handle on it quickly as to what they could do to uh, minimize the impact or to turn around the impact. If the impact on the brand is negative by simple word association, psychology you can't escape and has nothing to do with how good Corona is or they're doing good things, bad things, whatever. It's nothing to do with, the, with who they are. But that psychological association you don't anticipate. I previously worked um, with uh, one business working with another one of the businesses we were working with uh, was uh, called ISIS at the time. Um, and then out came ISIS, a terrorist organization, showing a name. 
there's another one of these things. It's a complete unknown unknown. Like, what are you supposed to do when it, uh, suddenly the whole news is talking about your brand um, and it's in reference to terrorism? It's a huge thing and you have to deal with it and you have to deal with it quickly. Uh, ISIS, um, I believe, is, a, is it an Egyptian god or a Greek god? Uh, it might be Egyptian. Um, so it's like a, it's a mythological reference, really. But uh, now it's not. Now it means a terrorist organization and you have to change your name. And so they did. But you, you have to be able to be ready to react to those things that you can't plan. They happen all the time. And normally reacting with speed and accepting that there's a real problem that's going to affect you are the key first two things to do. Um, when you have identified there's a real problem, maybe this next tool would be of use because this is something that I've used time and time again when faced with complex problems to try and understand what you're going to do about them and it's called five whys and it's really simple. You act like a child and you ask why at least five times in a row um, and each time you ask you get to a deeper level and yes when you're a child or you have a child asking why five times in a row uh, or more, there is the point at which you just shout, just because, just because. The time before that uh, might be uh, some key underlying thing for you to consider that's causing uh, whatever issue you're, you're looking at. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, Corona may not have known about the world news very early on the impact and their profits. I mean, very early on because quickly did become world news, but imagine that for at least a week or two they were getting the numbers in that said that their sales were going down and they just hadn't seen that there was this news that it was going to be called, you know, it was being referred to as coronavirus, maybe that just didn't, anyway, let's imagine that there was that world for at least a week or two where they were getting numbers in saying lost revenue and they couldn't work out why. So five whys, what's the first why? Less money in the bank, why? Less sales, why? Well, now you've got a choice here. There could be multiple reasons. So you're going to have to go and look. Why are the less sales? If it comes back and it seems that your distributors are uh, doing fine, but the people who purchase from your distributors aren't purchasing as much, why not? Maybe you need to ask them. You might be going further down the chain here to realise that uh, is there a problem with sales of beers in general in the US? No. Then that means people are buying other beers and not ours. Why? There must be some brand damage. What's the brand damage? So by asking those questions in series, you can get from what seems to be a, maybe a measurement issue. Your numbers have gone down. Why? And you might need to ask a series of questions to get through all these intermediary answers before you find a real cause. I like to use that in combination with something called Ishikawa analysis, or sometimes use a fishbone diagram. Uh, if you're watching on the video, I'll put, uh, I'll put a picture up because it shows it best, but really it just looks like a fishbone, right? There's a, there's a cause on one side and then it sort of branches off to possible reasons why uh, on, uh, on the other side. Each time you ask why, you may come up with multiple potential causes and each of those potential causes may have a handful of potential causes. So you're sort of um, spreading out as you move away from the problem into potential causes. Um, and the point of uh, Ishikawa analysis is that as you go through looking for these potential causes you may be able to identify um, that there is either a common theme underlying for this problem or there is a common uh, set of themes or there's a lot of hard things to solve but a few easy things to solve.
a few things that you're not sure if they really have much effect and some things that you sure have a lot of effect. Uh, and so you might, it might help you, even without formal analysis, after you've just drawn out the simple diagram, you might instantly have in your mind, just from the exercise alone, oh, there's about three things I could do here to solve this. So if we take the example of corona and the coronavirus, the corona beer, coronavirus, and we sort of go through that, and they had their reduced, let's start the end, yeah, they've got reduced revenue, that's their symptom. Why? Um, reduced sales. Why? Um, you may theorise before you know that there's reduced sales of beer overall, uh, people are switching from our brand. A little bit of analysis will discover that one of those isn't true, people are unhappy with the brand. You might do a quick focus group, you might you might call at one of the beer places, that's, one of the places that sells your beer, you might call them and ask. And if they're based in America, where they're subject to different news that you might be based in Mexico, don't actually know if Corona Beer is managed by a team that's based in Mexico, but for argument's sake, if they were, they might call up and say, do you have any ideas why uh, that our brand isn't selling and people are switching? Are there some promotions on that we don't know? Or are our brands out competing us? Uh, and you might get the answer straight up because they'd say, oh, haven't you heard the news? People seem to not want to buy it. I've moved it to the back of the store. I don't want to have it at the front of my store because I don't want the word Corona in my window. You know, it could be some very simple uh, answers once you go through the process of asking that. And I know I've chosen something uh, maybe a bit esoteric that won't directly apply to you, but whatever your actual problem is, if you go through this process of asking, well, why is that problem occurring? It could be because of these three reasons. Okay, why is each of those reasons occurring? Maybe each of those reasons is true, but one has more impact than another. As you go down the depth a little bit, Five whys is a good rule of thumb. As you go down that for a bit, and you've got a whole host of potential end-level causes, you might find some of them unconnected. And there's an underlying thing. So when we looked at engagement with posts by accountants, as we were developing what we do, engagement with social posts by accountants, we saw that there was a very low engagement no one really likes, no one really shares, it just doesn't happen. On, on, on tax-focused posts by accountants, and we thought, well, why is that? No one's really interacting because no one's finding it that interesting. Yeah, you want advice, go to the search box. That tends to be what happens. If you need to know something from the internet, you go to the Google search box, you type it in and you find it. And yes, you might find a great article by someone who's put a lot of effort in uh, to have a great article on that particular uh, subject. I, we link to them frequently because loads of accountants and loads of uh, bookkeeping platforms and software providers write great articles uh, on various tax topics I'm more than happy to link to. Uh, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, so what what can I produce that might be more helpful? And we decided that maybe something that is more helpful to that specific audience uh, might be better. And that was partially by going through the offer that accountants have, how they appear, what their brand look like, looks like, and trying to see, well, why isn't that appealing? Okay, so why isn't that appealing? So why isn't this part working? And as you go down, there was a common theme underneath, which is probably the obvious. Tax is pretty dull. So maybe don't talk about it so much. Maybe keep an eye on the news and disseminate that when it's timely. Um, maybe don't be talking about it all the time as your content strategy. That's what we've decided, and that was in part from doing this Ichikawa analysis, this uh, fishbone analysis, uh, looking at the potential causes of things. Um, yeah, 
When you do that analysis, you may find there are some things that are easy fixes. And when you do, then maybe your problem goes away pretty quickly. But it can help. And it's a small and easy tool that you can sit down and just write out. Think of it like structured brainstorming. You've got a problem, how am I going to solve it? Five whys, fishbone diagram, see what it throws up. You might find there are some easy fixes that have a great impact to solve your issue. I hope you found that interesting. Kind of short one this week, uh, running a little bit late. Went to some uh, networking recently, which is a, a really, really good experience. I haven't done an awful lot of that. I'm really enjoying getting out there to meeting uh, more business owners face to face and uh, talking about the issues they're facing and telling people about what we're doing. Um, getting the word out there is, uh, is a, a constant struggle for us while we're still uh, small in our footprint on social media. So anything you can do to share the great stuff uh, that hopefully you think is great that we're doing is really, really gratefully received. Any help, gratefully received, please do share what we do with uh, people that you think would benefit. And of course, we're accountants, check out our website. And if you know anyone, especially now we're in March and April, people are starting to think about how they're gonna be handling uh, their tax, their bookkeeping, and all of that for future years. Especially take a look at us if uh, that's going to be something that's affecting you and uh, share us with people who it might be affecting. Anyway, that's enough promo stuff. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Uh, I look forward to talking to you in the next one. We talked about COVID-19 and statutory sick pay. We've talked about Donald Rumsfeld's, Rumsfeld's unknown unknowns. And we've talked about five wise initial co analysis. I hope that's been handy. See you in the next one.